Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 46 of Hello, Fellow Kids. <laughs> we don't want to do this episode, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say right up from the top that I listened to our most recent episode today, and boy, is this going to be a stark contrast. Like, we were so bubbly and happy, and that's not going to be today. This month, we read Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Ariyami, which is the sequel to Children of Blood and Bone that we read. Which I remember we liked that okay. Like, you weren't quite as sold as me, but I was like, this is fine. I like this. Yeah, I was like, I didn't regret reading it, but I wasn't terribly excited to read the sequel. But then we kind of, like, ran out of ideas and we needed to pick something and you already had a copy so we're like let's go back and do it and um ooh, yeah that was not good no okay let's just really quickly cover what was good about this okay because it'll be short yeah i think the world building in this series is phenomenal and the whole description of place and society and everything Excellent. Everything else, no. 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 There. I like the cover art. <laughs> oh, yeah, cover art's terrific. Good. Shout out is... to Sarah Jones. <laughs> cool. Everything aesthetically about this. Yeah, is like good. the the under the underlying like lore of her world is really yeah. interesting and she put a really lot can't of thought into it. That. Um, yes. Clearly work was put into this and thought. Yeah. You she know? probably has like of... multiple mm-hmm. manila folders filled with notes about the world. Like Oh, I bet. A lot of work went into that. And I'd like to look through those notes cuz I was just like I love that what she's bringing with that. And um a lot of like teen fantasy the world building feels a little slapdash. So it just stands in interesting contrast to that. Yeah. But uh, consistent characterization and character decisions that make any kind of sense and is just not there. And I was like, am I just a bitch? Because, like, I'm writing something myself right now. And I actually this book was, like, frustrating me so much that I just flat out put it aside for a while. I should have been done with this weeks ago. Like, I have I look at the word count on a on a book and I divide it by seven and then I'm like, okay, I want this book finished in a week. This is the amount of pages. I should have been done. I started this like way at the beginning of January, but I dragged my feet and was like, I want to focus on my own writing because I don't like. So I didn't know if I was just being a, like a snob, you know, because of like, well, I'm writing and she's not writing at a very good par with this or, you know, like, right. you know, so I was just like, well, maybe it's just I have my head so far up my ass right now that that's just how I feel. I went and looked at the Goodreads reviews and everyone was like, what happened? You know, because <laughs> like everybody who was disappointed by it, like liked the book, the first book way more than you and I did. But they were every bit as disappointed and let down by it as we were who didn't go into it with that high of expectations. So, yeah, something happened. I don't know if it was like a second book slump or... Yeah, like... 
or if this was uh, uh um oh geez what was that book we just read winter house whatever mm-hmm. the thing was i don't know if it was a winter house situation where like the lore and the world kind of overshadows everything else where that's kind of where all the attention went and then everything else doesn't quite live up to that yeah i mean a lot of it felt like a filler arc like she was like she came up with a book and presented it to the publishers and they're like cool do a trilogy and she's like it's not really structured for a trilogy and they're like eh do a trilogy um Ooh, yeah they they uh didn't that happen to what's her face veronica roth they veronica rothed her for, uh, <laughs> for divergent yeah that yeah divergent was supposed to be one story and there's they were like make it a series and she's like it's not gonna work and they said do it and then they're like oh god it didn't work <laughs> she's like i told you you know I don't know. I was just so frustrated all through this. I wouldn't ever say I was bored because I was like annoyed enough that it kept my, (laughs) kept my focus. I was bored. I was bored and then I reached a point where I actually wrote at the end of the chapter that I have fully checked out mentally from this book and then from that point on I am just like, this is so dumb. Why am I, why am I still here? I'm gonna flat out admit it. I skimmed a bit. Did you? I think I did, but I wasn't trying to. I just realized that I wasn't it was taking it all in, and I was like, I I can't be bothered to go back. It was self-defense for me to just start <laughs> skimming. Like, yeah, shit. I, I don't know. I feel really bad. Um, I don't like not liking books, you know? Right. Like, I, 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 someone still put a lot of work into this, so it's not like, it's not like pleasing to be like, haha, you wasted all of your time and stuff. Oh, especially since she was she she got so much like praise and like oh look at this like amazing world she created and she did like we we're both completely on board with she excellent no problem with that and uh you want books that have like like well thought out worlds and it's uh this just didn't live up to the uh potential so all of our critique all through this all our comments are not going to be personally attacking the author in any way. It's just, uh, we didn't enjoy the book. No. I was curious because I because I knew that you had liked the first book more than I had. And like you said, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like super enamored with it. So when I say I liked it, it wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't enamored of it either. It's just, I read more teen than you. And I was like, this is better teen than some of the teen I've read. Right. I think our okay. uh, it was like it was like the difference between a high 3 low 3 sort of a situation for us. Totally. Um, yes. Yes. But um while I was reading it I was like because I wasn't looking forward to more of these characters and stuff am I just like reading it with kind of like that negative lens already through? Right. And then yeah. and then we we didn't communicate too much about it but I did catch on that you weren't having a great time with it either. <laughs> Yeah, I started it way before you, and I think I said something where, like, I'm not liking this or something, and you're just like, cool, great, glad I bought the book. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Yeah, so this is this is going to be, like, a negative episode, so if you don't like those, guess we'll see you some other time. And if you do, uh, strap in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take me through. I honestly, there, there, there is a, like, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm like, I don't remember what happened in this part and this part. And then I'm like, wait a second, the same thing that happened in the rest of the book, because it is a very (laughs) cyclical book. Yeah. I think that's what I said to you. It's very repetitive and it's making me frustrated. Yeah. Okay. 
Here we go. So uh, to recap, in the previous book, um, our protagonist, Zaylee, performed a ritual that would bring magic back to uh, the degraded people of Arisha who are called the um, Magi? Magi? Mm -hmm. I should have looked. You know, I swear I Googled trying to find pronunciations for stuff and couldn't find anything. So I mean, um, yeah, short of, short of us apologize. listening to the audiobook and the author also confirming that the audiobook was pronouncing everything correctly, I yeah, it's just going to be guesswork. I think this book would benefit from having a glossary in the front with like phonetic pronunciations yeah. of stuff in the front. Yeah, yeah, and I usually don't like that kind of thing, but <laughs> when it be, when it's or, so uh, like fundamentally important to like like because it's not just like. It's not as simple as an, like an urban fantasy where you're like, let me throw a handful of like magic words into here. It's like that the these words and this language are obviously a developed part of the culture and the world that she yeah. is writing about. And so it feels almost disrespectful to not know how to say those words. Right. Um, that's kind of why I like I'm, I'm apologizing yeah. right up front because I was like, I don't want to be a shithead, but I really, yeah. I did try yeah. to try and But find. also, to be honest, I don't want to do a whole lot of deep research and figuring out how it's all pronounced, because I'm, I'm ready to be done with this book. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, anyway, something went wrong with the ritual, and uh, not only do the Magi have magic, so do the nobles and the army. So uh, lots of deaths also happened in the previous book. Like uh, Zaylee's father and King Saran and uh, Prince Anon, we think, who is a textbook bad boyfriend. Um, anyway, so this this story begins with all the characters uh, spinning their wheels because they have no money and low supplies. Um, the pirate mercenary Rowan isn't interested in working on credit until Princess Amari has access to money again. And they get word that uh, a revolution is sacking the city and Amari's mother is dead. So it's now imperative that they get moving because the kingdom could crumble before Amari can claim the throne. Zaley has to talk Rowan into helping them because he's the type of bad boy who's gooey with the girl he likes but treats everyone else in her life really shitty. Uh, spare me. Anyway, um, <laughs> they're able to arrange a rally on the beach in a big dome. Um I immediately thought of Thunderdome. Um, Amari <laughs> shows up. <laughs> uh, Amari shows up in badass armor, and even though she's terrified, she's actually a really good public speaker. And she talks about unity, and it's looking good until someone interrupts. It's Amari's mother, the queen. She calls out Amari for killing her father and brother, and Amari's like, "No, hey, I only killed dad." Amari, honey, <laughs> shh. <laughs> Everyone loses their shit, and the queen pumps the room full of a noxious gas that only badly affects the Magi because it's made of uh, magicite, mm -hmm. which kind of just sounds like kryptonite. <laughs> it, it affects the magical people. Um, if I go crazy, then... Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we left that in 2000. <laughs> Immediately no. Immediately no. Okay. So a riot breaks out and the dome begins to crumble and break. Um, Zaley gets knocked knocked around in the crowd, uh, struggling to breathe, and she calls to her brother Zane for help. Unfortunately, Zane's occupied with stopping the crowd from ripping Amari to pieces. Rowan instead assists Zaylee and their group retreats. Uh, they watch the queen absorb um, the powers and energy of her soldiers, 
And they're like, what are we even dealing with? Because her power is just like so crazy. So once they've retreated and they're at a safe distance, Rowan tells Amari that she owes him and his guys and they're not working for free anymore. And sucks to suck. Bitches say what? Deuces. (laughs) (laughs) Just get them all in there. Yeah. And I I put side note, Zaylee, you have terrible taste in men. Understandably, everyone's upset. But Zaylee really rips into Amari in particular. Uh, First of all, um, Zaylee's father died so she could, you know, save the country. And part of that vision included a benevolent leader in Amari. And secondly, she doesn't care that Amari lost family members and just got backstabbed by her mom because Zaylee suffered her whole life. And thirdly, Amari is one of the nobles with powers now. And it's like, why do you get to use magic when my people have been persecuted for being magical like forever? So Zane's like, okay, we need to chill. And Zaylee's like, oh, chill, huh? Like how chill you were when I needed your help, but you were so busy with your girlfriend you've known for like two minutes. When Zane points out how unfair this is, Zaylee's all bitches say what and rides off on her lionaire, Nayla. She's so upset and frankly suicidal that she rides recklessly over a cliff and smashes it to a tree. <laughs> uh, she's knocked unconscious but wakes up to see white and dirt and reads. She's in the spiritual world. Woo. Okay. So first of all, I do not support any of uh, Zaylee's romantic choices because they all are awful and also they are all not Amari. That is the only relationship that I feel like is actually developed to where I could support it. Um, That's what everyone said in the reviews. Like, it's, yeah, it's literally, it is the most well-developed relationship. Like, they're, they're, like, it's the only one where I actually feel like they care about each other in any healthy capacity for any amount of time. They're the only ones showing, like, passion and chemistry in their interactions. Yeah. Yeah, I see that more than, yeah, these, like, guys who just suck. Yeah. They're yeah. totally paint-by-numbers bad boyfriends that you see they in are. these types it's of like, books. It's, so, it's so disappointing to have, like, such an original world and then so cliched characters. Yeah. It's like if somebody was, like, a friggin', like, a Michelangelo masterpiece, like, backdrop... And then someone is just like starts taking like a, a doodle bob and like bouncing him around as like the character. Like it's just like it's just such a stark contrast. Or you collaborate with someone to like make a comic and you're like a really good like background artist and you're like, okay, you really described a really good word world. I'm gonna do like a really awesome, well done, like practically oil painting background, and then you see their character design and it's stick figures. Yeah. And you're just like, What? Why did you Okay, you're paying me, but this looks like ass. <laughs> or you just you just end up you end up having to do the background paintings of your artist is like Rob Liefeld, and he's like, you know what, this needs more pouches. It's like, stop, stop, these are bad choices. His muscles should have muscles, but <laughs> musculature doesn't really look like that. You should take a life drawing class. More muscles. <laughs> I also feel like it was maybe a bad choice to start the book with the characters being like, we don't know what we're doing because then it just sets up the rest of the book for being like we don't know what we're doing Um, yeah we could have benefited from like a time skip it really could have it really like i didn't need to pick up like i didn't care about what happened the morning after like i you know like we we could have we could have condensed a lot of this into uh either fewer chapters or just like information that is presented to us later on after something crazy has happened 
that like actually or had you in. Uh, different POV characters, like new ones. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're gonna, we got introduced to way too many new characters. Oh my god! So, yeah, I just I reached the point where I was just like. I don't, I think, I feel like the author is really engaged with all these characters, but I don't know or care about any of them. I didn't. I absolutely did I not. I couldn't tell and any I, of them apart. I was just like, and then either. somebody talks to someone else. Okay. Okay, cool. It was yeah. like one I knew, and he died. So I'm like, okay, that was the one I knew. <laughs> yeah. And it was only because she kept referencing a very specific physical trait. Now I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. He's got big ears. Awesome. Cool. Great. Does he have anything Thanks. else? Uh, his ears are really big. Thank you. I have thoughts about that later. Also, uh, when Amari is, like, talking in front of the crowd and then her mom steps in and they're, like, arguing in front of the crowd and stuff like that, it's the first of several times where I feel like the uh, the audience of whoever is speaking just is so wishy-washy and every like three lines they're like we agree with you we hate you yeah you're right let's kill them like it happens several yeah. times <laughs> they were the equivalent of boo <laughs> that's when it finally applied yes because that's absolutely. immediately what i pictured for sure right and then she's like i had it until mother showed up and i'm like yeah but how would you know if something else would you didn't have it honey you didn't not if they were swayed that easily to like the other side like instantly uh, and i think zaley's insufferable i'm sorry oh, oh yeah i i was so like i was so disappointed in how much i disagreed like i i felt like she just kept being dumb <laughs> and i was just like stop it just shut up just shut up yeah yeah and i'm uh, like why are we putting like a 17 year old in charge I don't understand. Yeah. Why are there no adults? Like, yeah. I was getting so annoyed. <laughs> also, I'm going to be honest. There's a part where she says, uh, the answer isn't to kill your mother. Killing her, kill her and another magi-hating monarch will just rise in her place. I was like, I'm pretty sure the solution is just to kill her mother, though. Yes. I like, that's literally that what like, the just, answer is. <laughs> please just do it. <laughs> um, also, I feel like that's not how monarchies work. Because the whole point of a monarchy is that it's in, in the family. So yeah. if you kill her, and then Amari is queen, you no longer have a magi-hating monarch, and you've solved your problem. Yeah. Ta-da! What do you know? Gosh. <laughs> like, just just cut the head off the stake. It's not it's not that complicated. There were so many opportunities, and they never took it, and I was so angry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Zaylee is upset about, like, the scars on her back, which, first of all, that's totally fair. I'm not questioning that. Yes. Uh, but she does say, I can't look at my own back because of what your father did. I'm like, no one can look at their own back, sweetheart. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, it was an awful thing that happened to you, but, like, maybe we should have, like, run, run that sentence through again, Adi. I mean, just go back through that and realize that most people how don't really scene, see what's on their back. How good of a scene would that have been, though, for her to go, like, I can't even look at my back as your father, and then Amari goes... No one can look at their back. And then she just punches her, and they just start fighting. Because that needed to happen. They needed to just, like, bash that out. They did. They needed They needed to just have, they needed to have just, like, a slugfest, and then fight. just be, yes. like, so exhausted staring at each other that they just collapse and agree to, like, work together. Yeah, and, like, Zane's nearby, like, is this, like, a sex thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he's just like, <sighs> she likes my sister, doesn't she? And then, he Everyone leaves, likes and, then, and then after that, he just leaves and goes on to a different book series because he's not doing anything here. Oh, I make that statement so many times in this, in this, in my notes. <laughs> like, literally, why is he here? 
there's no reason. And they could have. They could have used him. Okay, because there's like this whole war that's really only going between like the the nobles and uh, the magi, and then there's people like Zane who don't have any magical powers, and they're just the poor rabble that gets killed off. He could have spoke up for those people. who's like, no, you need to figure your shit out because we're dying. Like yeah. we're getting killed off. And we're defenseless. We don't have anything. So you're gonna sit down. You're gonna discuss peace. And I wish that could have happened. Oh my god. But gosh. Zane's not really a forceful. How much different would the story have been if that had happened? Well, I'm just thinking because one of the things that I noticed was that despite having this entire continent, the entire book takes place between the royal city and a cave near the royal city. Right. That's basically like. Yeah. That's basically the whole story. If we had had a different POV character that was going to other towns and, like, recruiting them for the cause and stuff like that, and actually engaging the rest of the entire continent, because this war is just between a town and some rabble-rousers in a cave near their town. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like it's it's building into anything. Yeah. And, like, the, you know... It doesn't need to be, like the prologue to Lord of the Rings to f- battle with Sauron levels of armies, but it is like most yeah. of the like skirmishes are like a few hundred people. Um, and it's like, what happened to the rest of the continent? Shouldn't they be exactly. like, shouldn't something be happening there? Like maybe there's some like political nuance going in other towns as well. Or I don't know. It just felt like they're like, they can just do that and leave us alone. It was so, it was such a narrow scope for an entire novel. Like, to do 400 pages that just take place here with this very small, like, you can do small stories, but this felt like a, this felt like a small story that was trying to wear, like, a a big boy trench coat and pants, and, like, didn't realize that it didn't have anything to fill that space. Yeah. Okay. Uh, those are all my notes up until the dream, dreamland, (laughs) which I had forgotten was a thing, and I don't remember how that works, but okay. Dreamland, go. Yeah, exactly. All right. (laughs) So, um, <laughs> Zaylee's in the dream world, of course. Uh, she sees Anon, and it turns out he didn't die in the last book. Um, Zaylee's so pissed, she chokes him out while promising to kill him for real, for real. Um, she wakes to find that uh, Zane and Amari got a healer to save her. They make a sort of half-assed peace, and the healer tells them about a place where some um, magi are being kept prisoner. Um, so the group decides to go free those prisoners, uh, so they'll have an army. It's a solid plan, but Rowan sleezes his way back over and says the prison is way too guarded. They should join the revolution instead. I feel like his character always did this. Like, yeah, come in with someone need a plot point, you know? Right. Okay, not that Rowan cares about this country at all. Uh, the revolution members paid him to bring Zaley to them. Honey, he's not your boyfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the revolution's uh, set up in a mountain, and Zaylee's old teacher, Mama Legba, is there. Everyone treats Zaylee like a rock star, especially one boy who um, keeps saying he's uh, going to marry Zaylee and make babies with her. I guess this is supposed to be funny, but it's just cringe. Yeah. Uh, the re- yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the revolution wants to kill all the nobles and place uh, Zaylee as queen. Amari's like, excuse me? And the revolution's like, there's no excuse for you. Meanwhile, Anon wakes up and is horrified to see that his city and palace are ripped to shit because of the war. <laughs> Still, he has to put on his dad's clothes and be king. 
literally, so uh, he has... Just wait till you're in my shoes. Like, literally, we only have one pair of shoes for the whole family. (laughs) Treat them well. Um, He has a big meeting with the uh, council and the military's present, and they listen to uh, the citizens. I think I was just rushing through these notes, so nothing makes grammatical sense. So, thanks, past me. So, at this uh, meeting with the... uh, citizens of the city. Uh, one woman comes forward with her kids and says that they're starving. The the war has blocked the trade routes, so food hasn't been getting into the city. And Anon's like, hey, we'll give out free food out in the town square, which pisses off everyone who lives in the palace. Suddenly there's a ruckus in the back, and a young magi has broken in to steal food. Anon lets her have it. It's just a few like loaves of stale bread. And has her take away the message that any magi who stops fighting can eat. Everyone's really pissed now, and Anon insists that the cycle of war between their groups has to stop. But the magi show up the next day, suspicious of the food offer, and they destroy the food supply. They get killed for this, but haha, now no one gets to eat. That'll show everybody. Since being a decent person didn't instantly work out, Anon decides to go back to being a dick. Good call. <laughs> This is I I don't know why this bugged me so much, but we're gonna we're gonna get real petty with this one because it's just word choice at the start of chapter fourteen over the course of like eight lines. Um, she uses so many words that rhyme that I like I I started I heard it in my brain and I was like, is she trying to do like a weird like Ellen Hopkins poem chapter or something? Because it's like trying to study myself through the pain. There's nothing beyond the darkness, only the war in my brain. Her hatred anchors me in this moment, the vengeance she swore to claim. Though my lungs still gasp for air, I begin to see through the pain. It didn't work. Magic lives again. The realization is like a sedative spreading through my skull, though my head pounds, it numbs all pain. And I was like, oh my god! Okay, I get it. You like the long A. All right. Mom's spaghetti. (laughs) He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm spaghetti. Hey, uh, page 71, I made a note. Is this going to be one of those long middle books where ultimately nothing happens just to set up the finale? Yep. It's okay, you can say two towers. <laughs> hey, I like the ends. I like the two towers. I will defend the two towers. Two towers is great. It's solid. There, there is less new stuff, but like, it's, it's good. It's got a, it's got Legolas on a skateboard in the movie. <laughs> My God, yeah. Let's see, chapter seventeen. His, uh, Anon's cousin comes in and says, I've heard the legends of what greatness lies beneath your robes, but I fear I'm far too pure to see it for myself. I wrote hashtag hangdong2022. I think we need more more male characters to hang dong. Uh, I think that's a great place to start. I think uh, Anon just needs to, to show up his royal scepter. Well, I call it the war ender. <laughs> <laughs> just drops it and is like, ah, ah. And it starts like, it starts like a uh, uh, helicoptering it. <laughs> Hold on. What's the name? What's the name of the type of magi that can work wind magic? <laughs> Winders. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when the people are coming forward to like tell him their problems and stuff, this is like this is like right after he is his like coronation, right? They like they basically like give him the throne and they're like, all right, now you need to tend to the people. Right? Right. So, 
the general comes to him and is like, Your Majesty, if I may, I admire benevolence, but these are bandages, not solutions. And I write, yeah, but he has been king for like three hours, so calm down. <laughs> like, it just felt like a really weird critique of like, why, why haven't you solved all of the continent's problems yet? You've been here all afternoon. Tick tock. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that Inan was ever going to be a particularly good leader, but it was just like, it was just a weird, it was another one of those things where I kind of felt like the book was maybe trying to like, it was trying to make me believe that more was going on than actually was by masking the fact that all of this takes place in a very short amount of time in a very like small space. Yeah, it's just weird. I also make the note prejudice is exhausting, which I mean, that's true, and I, I am sure that that's one of her points, but it's just like, yeah. all of this, like, we're not going to listen to you because you're the bad people, and just the back and forth with it was like, it didn't even necessarily feel like it was amounting to anything besides just making everything take longer because people weren't willing to communicate. It was exhausting. Very, very draining every time I tried to read this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and he's just like, oh, my gosh, my first plan on my first day didn't work out. We need to kill them all. I know. I was like, of course you immediately jump to that. <laughs> God. Um, I think I I think I think even sighed out loud. Just like, Ugh. By page 117, I'm making a note that the style of the writing just glazes my eyes over. Um, so that was a, that was a, you know, <laughs> things were going well already. Go ahead. All right. So... Um, Amari realizes that the Magi are never going to trust her, but maybe she can get them to respect her. And what gets you respect? Power. So she gets Zaley to train her and um, even learn the Yoruba chanting that helps focus power better. Uh, Zaley uh, teaches Amari a chant very reluctantly and with the promise that Amari won't use this on a Magi. Amari promises... Oh, boy. <laughs> like, I already knew it was going to happen. Right. I was just like, oh, man. Okay. Meanwhile, Zaley gets elected as elder of the Death Tribe. It's a role that you either fight for or your predecessor steps down. Uh, the former elder steps down, and they have a huge party until Anon and his military cousin, oh, boy. Uh, was it Org? I don't want to say Orgy. Orog? Okay, his military cousin, sneak out of the palace one night to seek out the fire magi um, that have been attacking the their city. Uh, Ojore, maybe? Ojore? okay. I'm going to go with that. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. They find the fire magi in the woods, and Anon becomes uh, overwhelmed with all their powers, I guess, and, and his power comes flying out of him stronger than before, because uh, his power he had power before magic came back i guess and then since coming back he doesn't really know how to use it anyway um so uh his power comes flying out of him way stronger than before and it stuns everyone stuns everyone there and like literally not like they're like wow he's so cool like they're all (laughs) like knocked to the ground (laughs) okay so the queen arrives and interrogates the magi to find out where the revolutionaries are hiding and they won't tell, so she injects them with liquid magicite, which causes lots of pain and damage before finally killing them. So when this news of what happened to their fire dudes uh, reaches our group in the mountains, Amari points out that by destroying the rations, they forced Anand's hand into doing something big like this. 
Uh, lots of people are in the crosshairs of this fight, and we need to be working toward peace. Uh, no one wants to hear this, least of all the connector elder, Ramaya, who's been especially hateful to Amari. So sick of it, Amari challenges her for the elder position. Uh, they fight, and Ramaya has the upper hand and jeers at Amari to kill herself, which automatically makes you a dickhead in my eyes. So Amari ends up winning the battle since her power is like a hammer and she doesn't know how to wield it properly. She ends up ripping Ramaya's mind apart, uh, seeing all of her memories and putting her in a coma, basically. Um, Amari wins but has no one's respect, especially not Sally, who told her not to use Yoruba against a Manchai. So uh, the two girls do make up once Amari admits she messed up, and Zaley tells her that magic isn't just some neato trick the Magi can do, but it's part of their cultural identity, and Amari forcing herself into their space is actually a form of appropriation. The elders meet, and Amari publicly apologizes for the shit show of the fight, and uh, she pushes for peace again, pointing out that Ramaya was highly skilled, and Titan Amari put her in a coma, knowing basically nothing about her power. So Zaley says that um, that's true and all, but the Magi just need to level up. And she suggests going to Chindomble and getting all the clan's scrolls that are full of spells and power. Uh, this plan is way cooler than boring all peace, so everyone picks the stupid risky plan. Meanwhile, at the palace, Anon finds his mother meeting with Rowan, who's feeding her information about the revolution and also keeping an eye on Amari. The royals are doing great now that the trade roads are open and the war's turned in their favor. But there's reports that uh, the revolutionaries are on the move again. And when Anand sees these movements plotted out on a map, he knows they're headed for Chindomble. Well, they can't let the Magi get more powerful, so better stop them. The elders are almost to Chindomble when one gets a vision of all the bad guys already there which I don't think you need psychic powers to think that that will happen. But anyway, um, everyone's discouraged, but Amari comes up with a plan. They use their various powers to disguise themselves with fog and construct a floating uh, bridge out of dirt to get across to the mountain and don't use the iron bridge, which is being watched. And then they burrow into the size of the side of the mountain. Easy peasy. Okay. What do we, th- what do we think of, the mom as a villain. I think she's a comic book villain and I hate her. <laughs> like, yeah. I want, I want a fun villain. She's not fun. She's not fun. I don't really understand her motivation. I, I'm confused by the whole concept of having people that can, like, drain people for other powers. Like, it felt like a Dragon Ball Super Saiyan way of creating a new level of danger instead of working with what already kind of existed. Yeah. Wasn't a huge fan of that idea. Okay, I had a question. How old is Zaylee? I was thinking she was 17. Is that what she is? I thought she was just a little older, like 19, but I don't have a good reason for thinking that. Well, they said specifically that Anon was 19, and I thought he was older than her. Okay. So I thought she was like 17... And I think Zane's like 20 or something. Okay. But, I, okay, I was just confused because I was trying to pin down what her age was. And I, I think we both, okay, specifically like older teenager, right? Yeah. And the previous elder was the boy with the big ears who's 15. They say he's 15 years old. but And then she becomes the elder. 
And then they're all like, she's the youngest elder there's ever been. And I'm like, what about that little boy with the big ears? He was the elder. Does he just not count? Also, wait, also, he was 15? Yeah. Oh, it kept sounding like he was, like, eight. I kept picturing him as, like, an eight-year-old because of the way that he talked and, like, how she treated him. I think it says, yeah, I think he says he's, like, 15. Good grief. Yeah, no, I, I, I read him. I didn't see that, and I just read him as being, like, a, an actual child because she's well, just, Well, now like, I'm doubting myself. I thought he was 15. I know everyone, everyone's teenagers because, like, all of the adults from the time period, and I think a lot of the older kids were killed in the raid. Yeah. So, so that's why everyone... That's another thing. That always seems to be, like, some, like, power fantasy of, like... All the adults are dead. So all the sexy teens are in charge. Right. You know? <laughs> Which I kind of hate. I mean, they're I like young, and powerful, and horny. <laughs> right. But I ate that shit up when I was a teenager. But now that I'm an adult, I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found my note here. It says part of part of my feelings of this book hinge on whether or not I'm supposed to agree with Zaylee, um, because most of the time I felt like she was actually like wrong about things. Uh, me too. She was kind of warmongery. <laughs> And uh, I don't want to make any definitive statements on this part because it's going to involve addressing something that I can't personally relate to. Okay, yeah. She comments on how Amari's use of, like, the magic and stuff is, like, like the appropriation and stuff. But the people who now have powers don't have any control over the fact that they now have powers. And... Doesn't them having powers then force them into that culture and they should now have the opportunity to learn about that since that's now a part of who they are? Okay, but this doesn't occur in a vacuum. There's all these years of hatefulness and, like, violence and basically genocide happened before this. So I can see why Zaley's kind of like, oh, what, suddenly it's cool? And, uh, yeah, sure, they can't help having the powers, but, like, it's still there i don't know i felt like it would I, I maybe i feel like that mentality would make more sense coming from a different character because i feel like somebody that was so close to amari who was part of the enemy um i don't know i feel like that was a level of like the tolerance there was kind of odd but it, as as we talked about before a lot of the characters just do things that don't necessarily seem like they're coherent with how they're being portrayed no. in other parts of the books. It's like it's like she thought of the plot and was like, okay, now I'm just going to fix fit the characters yeah. in there to do it, even if it doesn't make sense. Who needs to say this? Ah, uh, gosh, roll the die, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Zane hasn't been here in a while. Maybe he can say something. Nah, just kidding. He can just stand around. <laughs> uh, yeah, literally. I have some basic questions, like how big is Orisha and how long has it been? I wasn't sure. I feel like there was a time skip, because, like, wasn't Rowan just, like, in the last couple chapters of the last book to take them to, like, the final battle, like, where they were going to be? Yeah, he was, like, like, it was, like, three quarters in, they're like, we need a pirate. (laughs) And he flirted with her a little bit, but then here we are in this book, and I was like, did I miss something? Yeah, now he's just like, you're my home. Oh, what the hell is that? (laughs) He's like, ugh love bombing her like and i'm like red flag run away uh yeah by page 170 by the way this book is 404 pages long just for clarification by page 170 i have written please stop naming characters and then 
sob. Because <laughs> I just couldn't Again. follow any of them. <laughs> no, it's like that TikTok thing of, that's enough slices! <laughs> so there you go, everyone who knows TikTok. Yeah, here, 175 have basically checked out at this point, so everything from here to the end, I've just, like, I've accepted the fact that I'm not gonna find hardly anything to like in this whole book. Um, Dude, I, I tried. I did. So, um, I left off saying easy peasy. Well, not easy peasy. It's difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. Oh, no! <laughs> and Nan and his mommy are there already, and the elders shut themselves up in the scroll room. Outside, the soldiers use wind powers, so Amari makes a plan to pack up as many scrolls as they can and destroy the rest so the royals can't have it. No one likes this plan, but they go with it anyway. When Amari touches Zaylee, it sets off Zaylee's powers, and she can suddenly see everyone's ash, which is like their energy, their power energy, whatever. Excuse uh, me, sir, can... your ash is showing. <laughs> Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> <laughs> So um, um, Amari's is like really bright navy blue, and it's kind of similar to the Queen's, and it's like brightness and intensity because everyone else's is just like, yeah, it's a color, but whatever. But yeah. Anyway, um, Zaylee realizes that the Queen and Amari are not actually titans. They're centers who can absorb power around them. So Amari comes up with a new plan. Uh, she has the fire guy blast fire when the door opens, which uh, when it meets the wind outside, it feeds the fire and the room explodes. In the smoke and confusion, uh, they all run out and Anon follows Zaylee. He just wants to talk, but she beats the shit out of him until his bodyguard and her buddy Big Ears arrive. Um, Zaylee backs down to protect the little guy, and Anon stops um, Azore from hurting them. And the queen wants the temple destroyed, and though Anon protests, he lets it happen. He's not even really the king, is he? He's like a puppet king, because it's really her running the show. Yeah, he's like he's like the king, but, like, no one respects him. Yeah, they're like, this asshole? <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> this guy's not my king! <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't vote for you. So, um, back in their place in the mountains, Amari remembers Zane is in this book and decides to jump his bones. Um, <laughs> instead, instead, an elder drags her to a meeting where they coo over Zaylee's new golden tattoos that showed up, um, after the temple. Mama Egba listens to their stories and realizes, um, Amari became a center when she killed someone she loved, i.e. her, her father. Um, the elders wanted to make more centers to win the war, but uh, the cost of killing a loved one is too high. So um, Amari lobbies for peace again, but Zaylee says no and um, gabs with her new friends about leveling up their powers to win the war. Amari, why are you still here? Anyway, Amari finds a scroll to make her own dreamscape, and she wants to use that in order to talk to Anon alone. And she asks Zaylee for help with the Yoruba, and Zaylee sees what it is, and then rips up the scroll and literally stomps on it. No one's talking to Anon. And she says that he does the right thing only when it's easy, but otherwise screws everyone over. And honestly, she's right. It was like one of the few times she was right in this book. <laughs> so Mama Egba sits down with Amari and tells her that she's important to the Magi because without her help, magic never would have been able to come back. 
So I'm like, maybe like tell everyone this, <laughs> Mama Eggma. <laughs> Because they're just treating her like she's dog shit. So yeah. it's like she's been at the beginning of this adventure this whole time. Anyway, she tells Amari that her powers are different and she doesn't need a scroll or chanting to create a link with a nun. So do it and start some peace. I have a note at the top of one of the chapters that I paused to read uh, Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes fan fiction because my friend is obsessed with their pairing and she's been sending me her favorite fanfics. Uh-huh. Um, so I just I just made a note that I I stopped in the middle of this because I was so bored I would rather read homoerotic superhero fan fiction. Um, you're, you're like they're not even my OTP, but I would rather read this. It's true, they're not. I mean, I I I, I will mean, say clearly it's it's Stephen Bucky. I mean, hello, that ending with Peggy was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> What I what I meant about the repetitive nature of this story was just like Amari going peace. They're like, no, no peace, and she's like, well, then I'll figure it out by myself. And then she never really does that right. or follows through with it or anything. And I'm like, I don't even know why you're still here. Like, leave and figure something else out. At the training thing for where they're like jumping off the cliff and then like using the spirits to like fly or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, I didn't really describe that. Yeah, no, it's not important. Um, but uh, the the big ear kid, uh, he looks at the water and goes, I can't swim! Can't swim? <laughs> yeah, if someone puts together, like, the if the characters from this book were, uh, were vines. Vines, yeah. I was, yeah, and I was really sick of her being like, he has big ears. Have you noticed his big ears? Look how big his ears are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do you have anything to say about this person besides the fact that he has big ears? Also, weren't centers, like, weren't those just invented, like, a week ago? Um, yes. Why, why, why does she know so much about them? Why? I literally just made them up. Yeah, Mama Agba's like, let me tell you all the things I know. And it's like, but wasn't this a, a new thing? Didn't we just discover it? Um, well, I guess she's like, okay, well, this only happened after you killed your dad, so I'm guessing this is how it works. And they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not buying it. If she and had said like, something well, about how prior to the raids or something, centers were a thing, I would be like, oh, yeah, she's older. She remembers the previous generations, but she's just like, she's just whipping all this information out that I don't know where it came from. She kind of frustrated me as a character, too, especially with like how supportive she is of Amari. And I was like... You have influence with these people. Why don't you help a little bit? Why don't you suggest peace sometimes if you're like, hey, find a way to make peace. You do that. That's cute. You know? Yeah. It's like they'll listen to you. <laughs> they like and respect you. It's like you're the only adult here. <laughs> Please do something. It's so frustrating. All right. Well, Amari figures out the dream world communication herself. Okay. And she meets with a nun in a field of flowers. They're stoked to see each other and they agree that they want peace. Anon says he wants to write up something official for the revolution members to read and she tells him where to find them. Boy, you can see where this is going, can't you? Why wouldn't they just find a mutual place? Like a <laughs> neutral place. Like, hey, let's go meet at the Pizza Hut. I know something. Right. Like, what about all these other locations that are on the inside of my cover? What about these? Do these not matter? Yeah, that we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. So, yeah, Anon shows up, and an army follows him. He's astonished that his bigoted cousin didn't keep his secret. 
Amari thinks he did it on purpose and now is 100% with Zaley. But unfortunately, Zaley's not 100% with Amari since uh, she's the dumbass who led the army here. There's a huge battle with amazingly only one casualty on the revolutionary side, and it's the big-eared kid. I think I put his name. I put a reaper named Mazzelli. He and Zaley had performed risky magic of like linking life, linking life forces to fight the enemy. And while it was super effective, um, Mazzelli didn't survive the process. So uh, Zaley has more survivor's guilt to heap on her survivor's guilt. Yo, dog, I heard you like survivor's <laughs> guilt. I put some survivor's guilt in your survivor's guilt. And then, of course, Rowan shows up and urges her to run away. And she's down with that plan. But uh, when she finds out um, Anon isn't in Lagos, but he's hiding out in um, Ibadan, she realizes that the plan is to split the revolutionaries up so they can be conquered. So Zaley suggests uh, not taking the bait and all of them just take off in a ship. And everyone's like, uh, no. And Amari suggests that instead of worrying about Lagos, they go right to Ibadan and take out the king. Everyone cheers for Amari, and Zaley gets to see what it feels like being the only loser advocating for peace. Even her brother, who's still in this book, helps plan the attack since he and Zaley grew up in Ibadan. Yeah, when the, the army comes, they just wrote, surprising nobody. Like, I was disappointed not just because, like, they should have expected it, but because we as the readers also expect it to go wrong, so I'm just like okay, I know this is happening, so now I'm just wasting my time doing this thing that we all know is going to happen. There's no surprise here. There's nothing, like, interesting or, like, unique about it. It's just, I know now that I'm going to have to read several chapters resolving this, just padding it out more. There, during the battle, Zaylee, she she climbs ten meters up into a tree. This is another one of my petty things, but it really did bug me. She climbs ten meters up into a tree, and she can see a cart of soldiers coming towards them. And she can make out the number of soldiers, uh, like, their body poses, and, like, which general it is from four kilometers away. That's two miles! You can't see that! We're in the mountains, so it's not even like it's flat. Yeah. 2.5 miles. She's like, oh, yeah, I can tell that they're holding their hands behind their backs from two and a half miles away. Oh, my God. That's like, that's the sort of stuff that, like, I was reading another book by an author that I thought I liked. I really liked one of his series, so I was reading another one of his books. And he made a mention of, what was it? It was, like, Tacoma being north of Seattle or something where he got just, like, an absolute basic, like, a half second of Google will answer this wrong. And I was just like, this just tells me that you don't care about the details of your storytelling. And why should I care about your book if you're not even going to bother with that? Like, he had done several of them, but that was like the breaking point where I was just like, okay, there's too many of these where I'm just like, I, I'm i sorry. This, I, I can't. I'm tapping out. <laughs> um, I've had moments like that reading where they take it, they have it take place in Washington and then get like things wrong. Like, they're like, oh, you know, the University of Washington in Seattle. I'm like, no one calls it that. Literally no one calls it that. It's the UW. Yeah. It's the Please. UW and U-District. No one... And U-District, yes. <laughs> no one says University of Washington in Seattle. Of course it's in Seattle. 
I guess there's one like further south that the stupid girl in like Fifty Shades went to, but like no one cares about that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry if you went there. <laughs> um, the kid with the ears dies, and I wrote I should probably care, but like I didn't. Like I, I knew him I didn't either. Like I knew him in comparison <laughs> to all the other characters, but I didn't care about him. No, uh. Uh-uh. And though his dying words were, "Don't be sad." Don't be sad. And I was just like, I'm not. God, that's so cruel. I'm sorry. Okay, am I ready? All right, here we go. Well, sex happens. (laughs) Amari and Zane hook up, and Zaley and Rowan try, but ooh, boy. He touches, like, the maggot scar on her back, and she gets triggered hardcore and lashes out at him, saying some really hurtful shit. And if I liked him, I'd feel real bad for him. And um, <laughs> but I don't. And this so is I like don't. the <laughs> yeah. And this is the clinical definition of triggered. I'm not being just a shitty person by saying that. Like she psychologically did experience a thing when yeah. he touched that scar. Yeah. Like that was a traumatic experience, and then just whoosh, all those feelings came back, and she just rips into him. Anyway, um, then the elders go to Ibadan to kill the king. Zaley comes along for some reason, as well as Rowan also for reasons. Uh, they try to sneak up on the royals through underground water tunnels, but it's like the royals knew about this entry point because all this dynamite goes off, trapping them underwater. Zaley's leg is pinned under a rock, and she gets a view of the afterlife, where they basically like, nah, go back. And Zaley decides she actually does want to live. She uh, messes up her leg pretty bad, getting it free. Like, I think bones exposed, it said. Like, it's pretty it's pretty nasty. And then she finds Rowan pinned under a rock by his arm. So he, she goes all 127 hours on him and slices off his arm. Um, he's mostly dead, but not all dead. So she splits her life force with him. Like, why? He's not worth it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Anon finds out that his mother is somehow single-handedly responsible for uh, the Magi attack that killed King Saran's first family, and is the reason Ajore is uh, scarred physically and mentally. Anon wants to stop his mother and wants Amari's help with that, but Amari puts her mental spirit place on Do Not Disturb so he can't get any help from her. Ajore, I guess, overheard the Queen's confession and attacks Anon about it, which is, I guess he thinks it's Anon's fault because reasons. And he's had welder powers all this time somehow, and I just don't get it. And then the Queen comes in and kills him, putting me out of my misery. Oh, and Amari had a secret plan she made with a wind elder and a cancer elder, and she places an entire dome over Ibadan and pumps in a toxic gas to kill everyone, including Anon and the Queen, because reasons? I don't understand this book. Am I dumb? Josh, explain. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels like like all these things had to happen, and none of it made sense. And like if it was going to be all these people getting killed. Why did those two other guys go along with it to help her? Cause she couldn't have done that on her own. What was their original plan anyway? Like they were like, we're going to go through these rocks and then, then what happens? And like, I don't know, but I have this dumbass plan. That's going to get a bunch of innocent people killed. You have, you have power. Um, no, I'm no, I'm so angry, Josh. I need to do this. Yep, God, but you, you have magic. We've established that magic can do anything. Why wouldn't you create that dome just around the building that the Royals are in instead of the whole town? Wouldn't it be easier to make a smaller dome? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. 
It's so stupid. It makes me so mad. None of it. This entire section, I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Like the entire time. Like, were you confused? Am, am I just, am I, did I skim too much? So that's why I'm lost. I, okay. Josh, explain. No, I, um, I don't really get what the plan was either. I, and I, it was one of those things where I was like, I was like, did I miss something? Uh, no, I didn't miss anything. It was just a bad plan, uh, that didn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden she's a literal war criminal. Oh, wait. And meanwhile, through all this, like the, their, uh, their army is marching on Lago. So I was like, so you actually did split up like they wanted you to. Why did you do that? I'm like, what a dumb plan. Yeah. They should have followed Zaley's idea of just leaving. Like, leave to another country and, like, make contacts there and kind of build up, like, a following there to come back and... Because isn't that what people do? At least in the fantasy books. Yeah, I mean, like, there's the whole thing it, I was actually reminded of uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, because they're all like, you know, uh, you know, we can't lose Asgard. And it's like, Asgard isn't a place, it's a people. And I kind of liked that they were having that conversation of, like, listen, land is just land. We don't need to, like, risk all these lives and stuff. Uh, why don't we, why don't we leave? And, you know, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I get that that's unpleasant, but I do like the idea of everyone surviving. Um, I was right, a fan yeah. of that. Um, mm-hmm. especially when they were so, like, disorganized and just dumb through most of their quote unquote war planning. It's almost like teenagers are in, yeah, it's in al- charge. It's almost like teenagers are in charge and a bunch of people are just letting them be in charge. Like, what the heck? Yeah. I would not... I'm like, how are you the elder when you're not even in your 20s yet? Elder means... Shut up. Is this our first book with confirmed absolutely 100% they banged? Did they bang they, and prepped? I tried to not think about that book. They didn't. They didn't. Okay. But uh, she and Anon banged in the first book. Did they? They yes, didn't they dream did. bang? They dreamed banged, but I guess it still counted. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zaley, I appreciate your desire uh, to not fight for land, uh, but can you suck less overall? That was my note about it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, thank you for the note, Josh. No. The beast cuts through the water like a cannon. Cannons don't go through water. Um, let's see. Well, we're almost we're almost done. We are. So. It's... it's like what? One more section? Yeah, it's one more section. Okay. <laughs> the boys' large ears fill my mind. And I just wrote in all caps as three separate sentences. We get it. It was uh, his only personality. It trait. was personality ears. And uh, being annoying, but that's everyone's trait in this book. He, she, one hundred twenty-seven hours, Rowan. And he's like, Zaley. He forces out my name through through shaking breasts. His stormy eyes dart in all directions. I just wrote, good grief, not now. Like, please, do we not, we don't need to do, like, he's got sexy eyes when he's laying there with one arm, like, almost drowned. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So Zaley was in town when the toxic smoke came in. So she was able to save some people by hiding them down in the town well. Some people still died, though. In the aftermath, Zaley tries to attack Amari for this dumb, stupid plan that made no sense. Um, the monarchy knew they'd pull this, and they were long gone before the smoke and the revolutionary army near Lagos have all been captured. So all of this was just stupid. But Zaley collapses mid-attack, 
because um, her link with Rowan is killing her. Uh, the other elders come together and they all merge powers, uh, instantly healing Zaylee and winter soldiering a new metal arm for Rowan. Yes, I'm glad you put that as well. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, realize with their new combined superpowers, they can smash the monarchy. I almost wrote patriarchy, but had to stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, they still need to sacrifice someone. Zaylee chooses Amari while not choosing her. But Mama Eggboss steps up and volunteers as tribute, so they have a big ceremony and kill her. Before marching on Lagos, Zaylee witnesses Rowan's men try to revolt, and he cruelly puts them down, which kind of repulses her. But then he's all, sorry, you had to see that in uh, BT Dubs, I love you, and she's all conflicted. Um, further conflict on their way to uh, back to Lagos. They pass through like their old hometown and they see that Anon rebuilt their house like exactly the way it had been before, like even with like the right flowers hanging up in the window. And then there's all these like pathetic letters like, I love you, you're amazing, like left behind. And it's all like really, really cringy. Oh, okay. Anyway. Anyway, in Lagos, uh, Anon drugs his mother's drink, not taking the opportunity to kill her for some stupid reason, and announces in a banquet that the monarchy's canceled. Everyone's like, hold on, how does this work? And then the revolution comes crashing in. <laughs> so Omari gets the chance to battle her mother, but doesn't kill her, and instead walks away. Cool, so you're never going to win this country from her, FYI. Uh, so they love, uh, the revolutionaries are freed from the dungeon and Zaylee begins to kill an unfighting Anon when a white smoke fills the room, knocking everyone unconscious. Uh, Rowan tries to get a mask to Zaylee in time, but she doesn't, but he doesn't make it. And when she wakes up, she's chained up in a ship at sea. The end. And I just angrily threw my notebook down. So I'm done. Uh, let's. And- I had to quickly, uh, I was just like, uh-oh, human sacrifice. There's kind of like, I was worried. I was just like, isn't that like a stereotype that that's what African people do? So or, I had to quickly or like do- any sort of quote-unquote like uncivilized. Like right. if, if so, it's like, if they don't, you know, it's like they're, they're either a fully developed civilization or they still sacrifice virgins sort of a thing, yeah. Right. So I got like really worried. I was just like, uh, well, that was kind of risky to put in here. So I Googled like Nigeria and human sacrifice and there is actually a history of that. I couldn't actually read the article because it was in JSTOR and it told me to sign into my university in order to access the article. And I am old, so I couldn't. The idea of being able to just straight up resurrect dead people just feels like a really like First of all, that sort of thing is usually, like, again, we're not necessarily pulling from the same, like, world mythologies, but typically it's regarded as, like, kind of, like, a bad magic sort of thing, but also it just seems like that's the sort of power that, like, when you start opening that up into your story, it's like, great, now you have to write reasons why you can't just revive everyone, and it just feels like it's gonna be a whole, like, it's gonna be a whole thing. Um, I don't know. There's no stakes anymore. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. Yeah, uh, page 379. What is Zane's point even? When I had given up expecting him to ever do anything besides be a penis. Actually, he does have one use. He observes Zaylee reading the notes from Anon, and he goes, You too, he shakes his head. Even when you crash, you intertwine. And I wrote, Oof, good try, but bad, but someone on Goodreads will lap this up. They just understand me. 
even when we crash, we intertwine. It's so it's so romantic and like, it, you know, it just speaks to the depths of their desires and their their chemistry. And I just wanted to puke, and then the book's over. Um, also, it's an epilogue, and it's not an epilogue. It's just chapter ninety-one. I don't know why she labeled it as an epilogue. Um, no yeah, idea. I, yeah, I wrote at the end, "What a boring, miserable, repetitive, confused book." Um, that was bad. Yeah. That was I'm really, sorry. I, really bad. <laughs> and I, I know that I've been like suggesting we read this, and I, I formally apologize that maybe I'll stop mentioning how it was you who pushed to read tunnels so long. <laughs> <laughs> or even now. Probably, I think so. Uh, Actually, I think I think I owe you more since it was two books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while since I've had one that I that much was like because like what's your criteria two stars two stars it has to bore you and one star it has to like hurt you yeah and this didn't hurt me it just annoyed me so i'm at two stars but it's a really low two i think i i've been start i started using the story graph in addition yeah. to goodreads it has and they allow they allowed percentages like on there so i gave it a 2.25 i i don't know Is it a one star are you giving I, it one? I am struggling to find anything specific to this book that was redeeming. Because, like, all the world-building stuff is mostly just a holdover from... From book one. Book yeah. one. Book two, the, like, a lot of the new world-building I thought was bad. Like, the idea of having the Super Saiyan connector thing. Center, or whatever. And, yeah, it was center. Um, yeah. yeah, and then just, like, the insane number of characters that I couldn't keep track that don't do anything, and characters that I did know about just being useless for the entirety of the book, and characters that I thought I knew making decisions that don't make any sense, and the story going in circles, and uh, uh, like ultimately not providing much of anything, because we like the only stuff we needed to progress the story was like the last chapter. I thought it was pretty much a failure on just about every every account. <laughs> And we're not in the minority of thinking that. I looked at the Goodreads reviews, and most of them were like, what? No one was happy. There was like a few like four-star people who probably just like everything they read. Mm -hmm. Or it's um, just like, or especially people who like like those sorts of romance uh, red flags. <laughs> I guess, but like you don't even, it's not even a very good romance because you don't really get very much time. And no one seems to even genuinely like each other. It's just more like they're just attracted, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm noticing that more in particular because I am writing um, a fantasy romance series right now. And, like, that's always been kind of, like, a big deal for me where it's, like, they have to like each other. They have to be f friendly with one each other. It's like, yeah, sure, they want they want a bone. Like, fine. Like, that's part of it. But, like, there's, there should be some kind of connection there. They should like each other and like Anon and, Z and Zaley don't like each other yeah and Rowan and Zaley don't like each other yeah I think the people who might come close to liking each other is like Zane and Amari but I don't see passion there it's more just all like hey we hang out and we like each other that's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah so I don't know I feel I feel like if you're bringing up tunnels maybe the two stars is generous <laughs> Well, I'm thinking more like, like I hated tunnels so much that like I dr I was drinking alcohol while we filmed that. <laughs> so, 
All right. All right. Oh, well. There we go. Uh, are you going to read book three? I'm not buying it. If I do read it, and that's a big if, it would be a library thing. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not buying another book. Yeah. Please don't suggest it for the the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really mean. It's like if I'm doing it, you're doing it too. I don't think it's out. No, I don't think I don't think she's even like I'm. I'm curious because like I feel like the first and second books didn't have a huge gap between them. I'm wondering if she's having trouble with figuring out what to do. Like I don't know if she's written herself maybe. in a corner with it or maybe she's... she has. This book was a mess. How do you come back from that? Yeah, uh, because. The, it was March 2018 and December 2019, uh, and now it's it's we're almost into the second month of 2022, which is not like that's not a long time necessarily, but it seems like a long time compared to how quickly the first two books came through. Yeah, and to not even have like an announcement of like a title or anything. Oh, we don't even have a title announcement. Uh, no, I think if you go hey. on Goodreads, it just says there's just a thing that says book three. Oh, gee, that's not a good sign. I also, um, one of the statistics that I always find is interesting, because, like, Goodread reviews are very, like, well, Goodread ratings are very deceptive, because Goodread reviews, the people who take the time to write about it, tend to have more critical feelings about things, and they can still give things five stars. That's not uncommon. Um yeah. But if you're taking the time to write about it, usually you have enough thoughts about it that you can you can nuance your your rating. But ratings without reviews tend to just be like, if I enjoyed it, it's five stars sort of a thing. So any you, you reach a situation where anything below like four full stars starts to be kind of questionable, you know? And anything below like three and a half is like, ooh, that's probably trash. I saw this one at 3.87 and I was like, okay, that's not good. Right, and that's such a weird like... Metric, but the one that I always find really interesting is the difference in ratings between books in a series. Like, what is the, what is, uh, like, how many people are coming back to the series? Right? Mm. And there are 196,000 ratings for book one and only 50,000 for book two. So it's the, the retention is not super great, which is really, that's, it can sometimes be more telling when you're lo- when you're researching a series to read rather than just the ratings is like but how many people are sticking it through to the end so yeah she's I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's taking some extra time to really figure out how to kind of come back from maybe some of the maybe some of the readership goodwill that she's lost with this very confused and mostly unnecessary book yeah. She's got great talent at creating worlds, so hopefully she can do something, but, like, as far as the characters and the pacing and everything, it was just, it was just a real headache. Yeah. So. Okay, so, that was, uh, Children of Virtue and Vengeance. Uh, it was rough. Next month, uh, we're gonna be doing a special episode. We are going to be, we, uh, we just, that was actually our, I think technically it was our 51st book but we read two books that were like sent to us by the author that were effectively just one book in our in our brains uh so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a march madness bracket of all the books that we've read and we're going to figure out what the definitive best book that we've read for the podcast so far is um yeah 
And then I don't know. So we're that should for... be fun. Would April be um? Would that be Dark Waters? It's probably about time for that, huh? Yeah, I think so. Because that's spring. Yeah. Rad. Yeah, let's do Dark Waters. Okay. Hopefully, it'll be a happier episode. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing March Madness next month. So stay tuned for that. Um, I I read a different young adult book while we were reading this, and it was a really cute graphic novel by our our buddy Molly uh Austin Austin Ta- you know she's such a good Austin Tag she's such a good friend that I can't <laughs> I couldn't say her last name but it's called <laughs> Molly <the> girl from <laughs> Molly <laughs> it's you hi well she's like you don't know my name it was called the girl from the sea and it's a cute story a cute sapphic story um about a selkie that uh comes to land to hang out with a teenage girl who is uh not out to her friends or family and it's really adorable and the illustrations the illustrations are fantastic and if you if you read along with us for this book and feel bummed this is a good palate cleanser and enjoy that's awesome do that at the end of episodes where we didn't like the book. Let's recommend something that was actually good. I just remembered. Oh, wait, don't we, don't I, we have an email? Yeah. Did that, you say that, there was that, another email? That's what I just remembered. Our listener, uh, who suggested the the list of things that will not change, they are an anonymous listener who asked to be referred to as Ducky instead of providing their real name. Uh, and they suggested um, Just Ella by Margaret Peterson Haddix. Which I didn't read that one, but I did read a lot of Margaret Peterson Haddocks. Um, they also suggested "Granted" by John Anderson and "Rascal" by Sterling North. Um, okay. So we will definitely look into those, and uh, we'll kind of see where they would fit on our timeline for like what we would want to be reading in the near future. But we'll definitely take them into consideration. So thank you for continuing to send us suggestions, uh, especially since. You recommended one of one of our favorites in quite a while, so. Yes, we needed a five star, and then <laughs> you presented it to us like I don't know, maybe you guys will like this. <laughs> it's on the same level as the thing about jellyfish, so. <laughs> it really is. I yeah. think it's one of those books where it's like if you enjoy the thing about jellyfish, yeah, very, you will very, like. Very similar, yeah. yeah. Like not not yes. similar plot wise necessarily, but very similar in terms of like. Um, Same vibes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Hello, fellow kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. You can visit him at benash.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast. And we will talk to you in March with our March Madness bracket. Bye. Bye. Bye.